Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. Today is Wednesday, September 30th. 2020 and i am your host detroit sports writer nolan bianchi i have ethan with me in the upcoming interview but as i record this intro i am alone we've got pete krupski from usa hockey with us as well you may remember pete from last week's episode when we profiled jake sanderson of the usn tdp and today we're looking at three more players who the red wings could target in the second or third round from that same program, we've got defenseman Tyler Clevin, we've got centers Thomas Bordalo and Ty Smolanik. I'm going to cut right to the chase uh, because we've got a lot to get to today. So follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Red Wings. Subscribe to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We've got more draft coverage. We've got daily covering of anything going else in the Red Wings organization, trades, the upcoming free agency. Uh, we talked yesterday about profiling Quinton Byfield and Tim Stutzla. I believe tomorrow we're going to profile uh, Alexander Holtz and Yaroslav Askarov. So you're going to want to be tuned in for that. Uh, for now, we'll see you guys back here tomorrow. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. And enjoy the episode with Pete Krupski. With the sixth pick in the draft, the Detroit Red Wings select from Mannheim of the DEL, Moritz Seider. All right, we are uh, here with Pete Krupski of USA Hockey, a broadcaster. Uh, watched a lot of the national development team program last year. We're going to move on in our prospect profile series to Tyler Clevin, the defenseman. What's your overview of him? Old school defenseman. He'll hit you in the mouth and smile about it. And if you like guys that hit people, he's certainly like that. He's got a better upside than he's given credit for. Uh, I don't know. Think of uh, Zadina Chara, maybe. Uh, but he's another one that's going to go to North Dakota. He's going to benefit from playing in North Dakota for the next two or three years. He's got maybe a little better upside uh, than given credit for. He's not, uh, he's not a guy that has hands of stones. But he's definitely a guy, when you see him, he's defense first. He's definitely going to hit you, and he enjoys playing that kind of, of game. So he's six four and uh, and growing and growing, yeah. But everything I, I I've seen and read a lot about his terrific skating. What impresses you the most about the way this big fella moves? Well, he can skate, that's for sure, and um, uh, uh, he's got a lot of tools in his toolbox. Let's put it like that. I think there's going to be more upside. Uh, he's been kind of put in a defensive role. He played. A lot of the season with uh, Brock Faber on as a defensive pairing. Faber was more of the skater. Clevin was more of the stay-at-home type. But I think uh, with time, and you mentioned, why do they go play NCAA? Well, with time and with maturity, I think he could develop into more of an offensive player. But he's pretty much defense first, and he's definitely going to hit you in the mouth and enjoy it. So going off of that, uh, what other ways does his game match his size? Is it more like the battles in the corners, keeping the crease clear, um, stepping up on guys too, coming in the zone? Absolutely. And, you know, he's got a pretty active stick. 
not afraid to block shots, not afraid, afraid to pay the price, really kind of an old school uh, defenseman throwback. And uh, Tyler, or your father, his father's listening. I mean that as, a, as an absolute compliment. He's a warrior. He's another guy. In the final uh, 30 seconds and a face-off in your defensive end, you want a guy like Clevin out there to help defend and, and help you win. Uh, that's the other thing. I think all of these guys we're talking about have learned how to win as a team. And I know that's an intangible, and it's boring for a lot of people to talk about, but this team really came together last year as a U18 group. Um, as a U17 group, sometimes they struggled. They were well under 500 at times, but last year they finished 29-16-1-1, one and, one, and at times they were they had a better uh, one-loss record than the NTDP U18s and that, or the U17s. That doesn't always happen. So I think uh, you know Clevin knows what it takes to uh, to win a hockey game, and he'll do whatever it takes to uh, accomplish that. I mean, just outside of like what that brings to a team, do you do you put any uh, weight into um, you know that kind of type of player, that type of motor, that type of work ethic, whatever you want to call it, simply getting to the NHL? Because a lot of these guys, let's face it, you know that we talk about in this pre-draft process, especially a guy like Clevin who's projected to go anywhere, you know, in the second round, maybe even the third, it's a pretty deep draft. How much stock do you put in that fight, in that spirit? Let me, uh, let me answer the question this way. So in a normal setting, NHL scouts come to all of our games. We could have up to 32 NHL teams at our game, including the Red Wings. The Red Wings are at our games all the time. That's good news. Well, Ken Holland sat in one spot for the better part of two or three years. He picked Philip Zadina over Quinn Hughes. So you figure it out, guys. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say about that. But We're a pro Zadina podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm a pro Hughes podcast. Uh, uh, nothing against Zadina. So scouts come to our building, and the first thing they tell me when they see me, other than, hello, how you doing? Crap, I really like how this U18 play, team played this year. Well, why is that? You could see they played for each other. You could see the coaching uh, was having a positive effect on them. You could see when uh, they didn't mind getting in, in the other team's face. They didn't mind paying the price. They scored enough, but they defended very, very well. And that translates well into the college game. And you can see how many college players translate well into the NHL. I, I think this group they're, they're not going to, it's not a group that scored nearly as many goals as the 0-1 group with Cole Caulfield and, and Trevor Zegras and, and, uh, and Alex Turcott and Jack Hughes, but they became successful in their own way because they, they learned to win as a team. And uh, again, that's, that's a bit of a cliche, but I saw it last year and the scouts loved that and they loved how they were coached and they loved how the players responded. So yeah, I think it definitely, uh, is is a positive towards going college hockey and a positive to going to the NHL. Does that make sense? I think so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, how? What did he look like on the penalty kill this past season? Uh, what's his? I guess you could say like what's his biggest strength in that regard? Are we still talking, Clevin? Yes. yes. Active stick. Uh, again, a guy not afraid to go in the corners, pay the price, win battles for pucks, 
so much of penalty killing. A lot of it is formula, and Nick, Coach Nick Four runs the penalty kill, but a lot of it is just paying the price, winning one-on-one -on -one battles for pucks, and getting the puck out of the, the zone. And Clevin is very effective with that. How's his shot? Is that something that you Outstanding. Again, I can show you some clips. It's outstanding. It's a bomb. So, so is he somebody that maybe fits in on the power play as well? Because he seems pretty multidimensional at this point, just, just from what I've seen and read. I think right now he's defense first, but, yeah, he's got a big shot, and he could play on the power play. I think it's uh, with so many of these guys uh, playing a year or two or three or four in college hockey really helps them develop uh, as players. And uh, what I've seen Clevin shot, it is a bomb. All right, Pete. Uh... You're going to know this, Joe, pretty well in a second here. It's draft day. You're Steve Eisman. You're sitting there with one of those second-round picks. He's kind of at the top of your big board. You're thinking about maybe taking him. What's the one reason that you draft Tyler Clevin, and what's the biggest reason that you might consider passing on Tyler Clevin? Well, you might pass on Tyler Clevin because you might have a guy like Thomas Borlo up there, and he might be, if, if you need offense, Thomas Borlo, who played for the NTDP for two years, and uh, is going to play at the University of Michigan. So if you get out to Yost Ice Arena, pretty nice barn, you'll see Thomas Borlo. If he takes Thomas Borlo or somebody like that, you might pass on a Clevin. But Clevin is a guy you put in your back pocket, let him develop for a couple of years. You don't have to pay him. You can certainly watch him develop in a good program like North Dakota. And uh, after a couple of years, you might have a pretty good defenseman that can help you win games, uh, a guy that's, that's great in, in his own end, uh, uh, defensively that can perhaps develop offensively. I just think um, he's considered a bit of a diamond in a rough, uh, more, much more than Jake Sanders. From the best-selling authors of The Daily Stoic comes the ultimate stoicism guide to success, resilience, and virtue, to accept what you cannot control and adapt to what you can. Sports teams across the country are applying this popular philosophy by using stoicism's key idea, you control how you respond and play. You don't control what the refs and fans do or how the ball bounces. It's about what you do to adapt. Lives of the Stoics, the art of living from Zeno to Marcus Aurelius is available now wherever books are sold. All right, well, you just alluded to him. Thomas Borderlow, we are here with Pete Krupski, the USA Hockey broadcaster. Uh, we're walking through some potential second-round targets, maybe even late first round. We don't know how this draft is going to play out. So who knows? Some of these picks could get packaged, uh, you know, for a late first rounder or something along those lines. But one of those names I just mentioned is Thomas Borderlow, a center, kind of a different style of play, obviously, than Sanderson and Clevin. What's your overview of Borderlow? Borderlow's a skilled player. If you need a faceoff one and any uh, dot on the rink, he's going to win probably 60% of the faceoffs. I think he got a, he's not a physical player. But he got a little bit more physical, again, based on the style his team had to play. He's a skilled player. You need a, a goal and a shootout. I've got several clips where he made it look pretty easy. But he's just a skilled player. Uh, he makes a good pass. He's got an excellent shot, especially if he can load it up and maybe toe drag and, and wait a second. Uh, the University of Michigan is going to get a real good offensive player in Thomas Borlo. Now, he led the end. NDTP in points last year. What did you see from him in his draft year specifically that makes you think he can succeed at the next level? 
Well, he was better in all areas of the ice. And I say this about a lot of players. Uh, he was good offensively. He was good at his U-17 year offensively, but I think he improved defensively. He learned uh, that there's another side of the ice as well. So again, as I said, Ethan, you need a faceoff one in the defensive zone. I mean, he can do that. If you need somebody to kill a penalty, he can do that. Uh, he's just a well-rounded player. I'm sure Mel Pearson and his staff are going to find ways uh, to use Bortolo's creativity, not just offensively, but also defensively. He can play on the other side of the puck, and maybe as a U-17, uh, not so much. But he's really developed into a good two-way player. I do want to dig a, a little bit deeper into uh, what you saw from him on the defensive side of the ice in just a minute. But one thing that I think stood out to me when I was doing my research on Thomas Borlo is that a lot of people think that he has great patience. Okay, is that something that you can go on, uh, go in on just a little bit? Well, again, uh, I wish I had the clip. I, I, I was hoping to send you, but there was a goal where he uh, picked up the puck with traffic around him and, and waited toe drag and went top shelf with a very good shot. That's another thing he's got is a very good shot. Uh, he's got a pretty good hockey IQ. So if you need a pass, if you need somebody to wait and then pass, he, he can he can do all of that. And um, just a well-rounded player, again, more of an offensive player as a U17, but as they get older and stronger and take to some of the coaching, they become well-rounded players with the NTDP. You can, pre you can put them out in, in just about any situation. He was killing penalties along with the rest of them and doing very well. I mean, the NTDP U18s killed penalties off at around 88% last year. That's pretty good. And Bordelow is part of that. What's his biggest strength on his defensive side on the ice? And I guess what's the biggest upside of having your center be such a strong defensive prospect? Well, let me ask you with a question. What makes Dylan Larkin a good defensive player? I'll ask you guys. I'd say just a hockey IQ, the ability to kind of see things before they develop. So you just answered the question about Thomas Borlo. Plus the fact he's an excellent face-off man. You can't overlook that. Uh, he was around 60% over the two years. And that's, that's better than oh. the best in the NHL right wow. So if you need a face-off one in your defensive zone in the last uh, 30 seconds, Bortolo is going to be out there. If you're on a power play and you're in the offensive zone and you want to get it rolling with a good face-off win, Bortolo can do that for you. Um, and, and, I mean, University of Michigan is going to get a really good player that Mel Pearson can plug in in a lot of different ways. Uh, again, as a U-17 more offensive, as a U-18 uh, Bortolo was a more well-rounded player. And I think that progression is going to continue at Michigan. Now we've talked about the offensive side of the ice. We've talked about the defensive side of the ice, but what sticks out to you about Thomas Bortolo in transition? Well, his hockey IQ and the fact that he uses uh, his wings and, his, and, and occasionally uh, his defenseman well. And again, I wish I had the clip where Sanderson skated out of his zone Picked, uh, pass to the left wing half wall to uh, Sanderson and quickly a pass on the right circle to Powell and he put it in. He's got that good uh, hockey vision, I guess. He knows where his, his, his teammates are and he'll hit them with a good pass uh, on a regular basis. All right. Last question on Thomas Bortolo. You know it by now. It's draft day and you are Steve Eiserman. You're looking at 
Thomas Bordalo with one of your second round picks. What's the biggest reason that you draft him and what's the biggest reason that you might consider passing on him? Well, you might pass on a Ken because you got so many other players that are available that you might be, that might be on the board ahead of Bordalo. I mean, they all go on the board and this is the top. I've got Nolan Bianchi top on the list there. I'm going to take Nolan Bianchi, right? Yeah, I've never been on the top of any list, but I appreciate. Well, that. I've been on I've been on the top of a lot of bad lists. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but hey, if Bortolo's there and the Red Wings like him, they're going to take him again. They don't have to pay him. They're going to watch him at the University of Michigan, so that's an easy uh, truck up uh, up uh, I ninety four to watch him, and they'll they'll just put him in the bank for a year or two and, and see how he develops. Now there are probably other players that they'll have on their list ahead of him, but. If he's there and the Red Wings like him, they're going to get a good player. I think there's something to be said, too, just because of the recent history about players that have come out of uh, University of Michigan that, that sustained success under Mel Pearson, uh, you know, Kyle Connor, JT Comfort, those guys who have, who have gone through that program and come out and, and been really, really good NHL players. Well, for us, as the, the national team development program, we've only had two NTDP guys taken by the Red Wings. Jimmy Howard is one, and I know Red Wing fans say, well, Jimmy Howard's, he's done. But if you look at his uh, body of work over many years, he's been a pretty good player for the Red Wings. Third winningest uh, goaltender in Red Wings history. There you go. And Dylan Larkin is the other. So it would help us uh, in Plymouth at USA Hockey Arena, where the NTDP plays, if uh, they took a couple of our guys, because it would help our marketing effort, to be honest with you. And you know we couldn't get you guys out of here without talking to you about Built Bar. That's right, the most delicious pro- tasting protein bar on the market is back to bring you some good news. And that is that you can fill up on a delicious snack that's covered in 100% chocolate, that's soft and easy to chew, that tastes like a treat, while also getting 19 grams of protein and only 130 calories, 4 grams of net sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, That's what's in the peanut butter brownie. That's the one that I've been eating lately. That's the one that's been helping me get full, stay full, and have energy all day long. They're great for the keto diet if you're into that kind of thing. But outside of that, the macros are simply on point. And now, with their six new delicious flavors, Built Bar is even more deliciouser than even before. They've got caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp try it out yourself see what your favorite flavor is because everybody's got a favorite built bar from the second they try it and when you go to builtbar.com right now and use the promo code locked on you'll get ten dollars off of your first order that's promo code locked on for ten dollars off at builtbar.com all right we are here with pete krupski usa hockey broadcaster going into our final prospect of the day here we've got center ty smolanic what's your overview of him well, Ty was hurt a good bit last year, so uh, and he came back from injury. He played very well in the in the, the bio sealed uh, prospects game. When Ty Smolanik is on, he's got a great shot. And again, I, I've got clips where he shoots from the right circle, and you can hear it ping off the inside of the post. Uh, we've got good microphones with with our our, our television setup, and you can hear it ping off the post. He's a shoot first guy. And again, like all the others, he had to learn uh, the other side of the X. He had to learn how to uh, uh, win battles in the corner. He had to learn to get a little bit more physical. But 
when he's on, he's a dynamic offensive player. Well, you just brought it up, and I actually – this is probably going to be the second question I asked you. He was hurt last year. I think he had a broken finger, uh, was a sprained ankle, and then he also had mono. So not yeah. – not really a great season uh, health-wise. And if you're a GM in the NHL, do you think that, you know, you had had seen enough of Ty Smolanek to know what kind of player you're getting? Or is this kind of a high upside, not sure how this is going to play out yet type pick? Well, you might be right, but you got to remember he played regularly as a U-17. And scouts evaluate the U-17. So they mm-hmm. saw Ty Smolanek when he was healthy and playing very well as a U-17. I think they understand he was hurt. So, again, he's a guy, you know he's an offensive player. You know in the NHL, uh, goal scorers uh, come at a premium. And he's a guy that perhaps uh, would be attractive to an NHL team in the second or third round. I know he's rated 24th, but I see him going somewhere in the second round. Most places he's listed as a center. Um, but he's known to play on the wing from time to time. Which position to you do you think he fits best in? Can play both. Uh, you know, uh, again, to play wing, that's a certain advantage. He can concentrate on shooting the puck and winning battles along the, the wall. If you're a center, you have other uh, responsibilities, especially defensively. Um, but I know Ty Smolanek, when he's rolling, he's got the big shot and he's a good offensive player. And I, if I'm a coach, Wherever he is going to be next year, I think it's Quinnipiac. I'm going to try to find places where Ty Smolanek can score goals because that's what he does best. Let's bring it back just a bit to that U17 year that you just alluded to. He gets voted the best forward of the U17 Five Nations tournament. What did you make of that performance and what impressed you about it the most? Well, again, he's got the big shot uh, when he's playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, and he's rolling. I mean, he, he's, a, he's an excellent offensive player. People, uh, people need offensive players. I mean, it's not just uh, the Tyler Clevins and the Jake Sanderson. You need uh, Ty Spilanek and uh, Thomas Bordalo and even a guy like Dylan Peterson. You need, you need offensive players. And that's what Ty Spilanek is. I mean, you can, you can overthink what he does out there, but if you saw him play, you saw the big shot, you saw him scoring goals. That's what he does. Uh, kind of just the, the a same, a similar question uh, to the one we had with Bordalo, but you know, you, you, he's got great offensive upside. He could use some development in the defensive end, but I'm curious to know what he brings to the table when his team is in transition, whether without or with the puck. Well, transition is his game because he's going to get open to get get that big shot off. And uh, you know, I, again, another clip I, I could show you. Uh, uh, as a U-17, uh, they were playing Chicago, and there were like five seconds left, and there was a breakout, a line rush for the U-17s out of uh, out of their zone to neutral territory, and Shea Schroeder on the left bounced Milanic on the right at the right circle, and he tucked it under the bar with 0.1 seconds left. That's what you can do with Ty Milanic in transition. Uh, he's, he, he's just an offensive player. And that's where his strength lies. I think going to college, he's going to have to get bigger and stronger. And I think he will do that as he gets older. I mean, you got to remember, these guys join their college teams, most of them when they're 18 years old. The average college hockey freshman, I don't know if you know this, is 20 to 21 years old. Um, So they have a bit of a growth uh, process to uh, get into. 
And I think uh, going to college hockey is going to be a good thing for Ty Smolanek. All right, now for one last time, it's draft day. You're Steve Eisman. It's the b- biggest reason why you draft Ty Smolanek and the biggest reason why you may pass on him. Well, if, if I like Ty Smolanek, I know I'm going to get goals. And uh, everybody's looking for goals right now in the NHL. I mean, not so much in the playoffs right now, but during the regular season, everybody's looking for goals. Ty Smolanek is a guy that has the potential to do that. If you don't take him, I might take a Brock Faber or a Brett Berard or a Heyman Powell ahead of him um, simply because I like those players better. Again, it comes down to uh, every NHL team has a list. If, uh, if Ty Smolanek is uh, number one on that list, they're going to take him. If not, they're going to take somebody else. Well, Pete, we cannot thank you enough for bringing your uh, analysis, your expertise. Uh, you know, it's not too often that we not only get somebody who knows the players, but also it's their job to simply sit there and call every game. So this has been a real treat. We've enjoyed having you on and uh, would definitely hope like to have you on again sometime in the future. Nolan and uh, Ethan, thanks for this. Call me anytime. And uh, I'll tell you what, go to my YouTube. I've got a YouTube uh, page. Just go to that. I've got a ton of clips of all these guys uh, that you can look at. And also the NTDP has a YouTube page. They've got a lot of highlight clips as well. Go check those out. Go follow Pete on Twitter at Pete Krupski. We'll talk to you later, man. Appreciate you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we can't wait till draft day. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Call me anytime.